0: They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole. Get ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure. James Jardine and the White Rabbit,
1: Propolos. Alright, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening friends. Welcome to a very special edition of the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast, one in which. I oh, haven't done it for a while, so I thought I'd give you a treat. Um, you know every once in a while something interesting comes along. It doesn't quite fit the show format, and I just uh, I want to be able to uh, expand the audience and the horizon for the for the folks that listen. Um, now is sort of a weird time because we have uh, the topic of intelligence um, and threats come to the fore pretty heavily with everybody realizing that uh, they're them and 300,000 or so of their closest friends are uh, probably compromised uh, with some sort of thing uh, going around. But um, that said, I wanted to introduce you guys to a a, a, a different kind of organization uh, and in just a short format, let them uh, let them talk a little bit, Philippe, talk a little about what they're doing and how it may be applicable to you. I think it's cool. Hopefully it's worth your listen. Philippe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rafael. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm from a background of pen testing. You know, I've been doing this for years and years. And after that, uh, I, I went into high security hosting environments. Uh, so we we're hosting things for governments and uh, sensitive uh, journalists and, you know, medias and stuff like that. And um, me and my CTO, we came up with an idea uh, during this time that we could do things better for the larger crowd to secure themselves. And this is where we're talking together tonight. Right. So tell me what that means, because uh, there's a lot of, I mean,
1: th- there is no shortage of threat intelligence, platforms, companies, um, agencies, research orgs. What do you do that's different? Uh, where's your value at?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So what we do basically is we replace a piece of software that you probably know or the audience may know. It's called Fade to Ban. It was born in, uh, 16 years ago in Switzerland, made by Cyril Jacquier, very cool guy. He made it more like uh, an application to his newly uh, learned Python skills, and um, this thing bridged. You know, this thing was used like by half a million machines roughly in the world, so it's quite a quite a large footprint. But it aged. It aged, and it's not really. uh, It is maintained, but the guy has very few time to 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 maintain it. So our new version happens to all of us. Yeah, but our new version is better on many points and we have a team that is paid for that. So, you know, it's a, it's a team of uh, 10 people that is working day in and day out on this. So, you know, and it's modern. It, it handles uh, IPv6, it handles uh, stateless and decoupled, blah, blah, blah. So it's better. You can, you can switch for it and you will only get uh, upsides for that. But this is not the end game. The end game is way different. Say, if you have half a million machines, you have the biggest honeypot network ever in the world. Right, And this is what we're doing. We are creating uh, IP reputation based on this huge network. So obviously we curate the systems to to avoid poisoning and to avoid false positives, but we get signals from all around the world. Could be a sweatshop in Thailand, could be as SMB in South Africa, could be Iceland. We're in 64 countries, something like this. And we curate the signals and we redistribute all those IPs with reputation to all the members of the network, so you protect it from both behavior standpoint and reputation standpoint.
1: All right, so that that keeps the uh, I, I like the fact that you've accounted for um, being able to poison the uh, poison the pool, right? Because if if you're able to contribute badness to it, you can lock out other people that are good. You can do all kinds of malfeasance. Um, so, I, I guess my only skepticism to this is you know IP rep is is something that's uh, it, it's it's been. It's been talked about negatively. I'll just put it you know, politely. Um, as the internet, IP, IP addresses used to be probably a lot more static many years ago than when, when that first tool, Fade to when it first came out, uh, IP used to be much more static, right? You'd sign an IP address and it would just live. Uh, in the days of Amazon and Azure and GCP, IP addresses lived sometimes for you know, 10, 15 minutes, sometimes less, sometimes more. Uh, how do you account for that and kind of how do you cycle through that? How do you get a, a reputation on an IP address that could be owned by 50 different people or organizations or entities in a span of a day, potentially?
2: So there are several points here. The first one is what do you do with this IP reputation? Because if you go on and just drop it, it's super harsh and, and it leads to problems, basically. So we highly advise people not to do this at all say if you're using a system and you want to bounce people on an http layer you'd rather send a, a captcha you know it's way safer you won't block anyone out of the website it's smarter and since we can interface at any level it could be ip it could be session it could be business logic you can have a bouncer say in your magento shop uh, that will just interrupt the connection if the ip that is connected uh, is known to do like credit card stuffing so it's very accurate. We don't want to ban the world. It's not the point. And the other thing, oh, oh there are smart stuff here. And there are more smartness in, under the hood. So, for example, if one IP has been caught into a problem and it's stored in the database, it will be automatically removed after 72 hours if nothing has happened from that IP. Because we think that you know, the previous IP systems, sometimes IP were outdated. They were there for like three months or more. And it didn't make sense because you're right. I mean, spot instances, sometimes they switch hands in a matter of a quarter. Here, what we do is like the network is big enough and, and sensitive enough to be able to regenerate the reputation of an IP faster. And the, the bigger the network grows, the faster and the more real-time this IP reputation becomes. That's why we think we will avoid most of the pitfalls that touch the previous IP reputation system. And this is among many other uh, way of uh, dealing with this. We have way smarter things uh, to do.
1: Okay, so uh, so then what we're talking about realistically is those IP rep systems used to be primarily used, I mean, we're talking 10, 12, 15, 16 years ago, right? A long time ago. They were primarily used to IP black hole uh, on, on perimeter devices, firewalls and such, uh, even taking it down to potentially the endpoint layer. Uh, but you're talking about using it as a, rather than the, the sole indicator, uh, one of many indicators, potentially in something like a, a credit card transaction where, uh, so that, that actually broadens your audience quite a bit because that takes you into the e-commerce world where, um, you know, like the likes of like a Shopify or something, right, they have, or whatever their competitors are, uh, they can uh, th- they can rapidly uh take your reputational score, factor it into a um a a formula that can say is this a fraudulent transaction or not? Should I let this person use a stored credit card or make them re-enter it uh to verify
2: who they are? Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, you're right. I mean what we're doing is this this piece of software is for free, right? So the behavior engine is for free. And the IP reputation engine is for free if you're sharing your signals because you don't have to share them. If you don't feel like sharing your spottings, you don't. We don't take your logs. We just take like the timestamp, the offending IP, and the scenario it triggered. So, But if, nevertheless, you don't want to share, you don't share. You have a good behavior engine. If you want to share, you have the IP reputation for free as well. But if you're a business... And you just want the IP reputation system to be able to say, yes, this is a trustworthy IP, or no, this one has been caught several times in doing shenanigans around like a PSP and a, you know payment getaways and so on. Please don't allow it inside your network. That's that's quite cool, because if you extend it beyond just the scope of, uh, of e-commerce, you can use it, for example, in contexts where there is very few uh, CPU and RAM available. Say an IoT device, for example, is pretty dumb a camera, a connected way scale, whatever. They are very, very uh, short in, uh, in supply regarding CPU and RAM. So you cannot make them do anything smart, but you can make them do what? One API call that would say, yes, you can connect or no, you can't connect. So our business model, our monetization model is very fair because the community benefit of this for free. And only the people that do API call that does not contribute to the IP repetition system will be paying to access the API.
1: That is a very interesting model because if you're contributing, you know, everybody benefits and and it's sort of a mutual system, but if you're not contributing and you're simply consuming, you have to pay for that privilege. Um that's interesting. How, what kind of uh what kind of adoption have you seen? Has it been primarily on the two way or is it just are have you seen a lot of one way uh paying customers as well?
2: Well, so far, uh, they, it's really—it's uh, it's funny because it's really geographically different. You know, for example, Europeans are very sensitive to this uh, GDPR thing, and we are GDPR compliant for what it's worth. But um, so they are careful with this, and they some don't share like twenty percent, maybe. Most of them share, and the other group that is quite major is Russians. The Russians are like, whoa, 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 we don't want to share anything. Okay, guys, don't share. It's not a problem. You will share later on yeah, if you the want Russians to from sharing. their They That's are funny. not so much sharing, you know. Um, and other other countries like U.S. They're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, take it all and give us the good stuff. We like it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, the us, us Americans like to uh, like to be sharing. uh we, yeah. we, The the whole concept of a community, a community involved uh, intelligence pool has been you know, discussed many, 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 many times over. And I think the the place where it always falls down is the vast majority of these systems end up being people that consume and they don't ever contribute anything back to it. So it ends up being kind of a limited use system. But if if you've got a significant percentage, I'm kind of curious what, what the overall percentage, if you take the entire user base, how many of that is, on the whole, I mean, contributing versus consuming. I wonder
2: what that comes out to be. You know what? We'll have to do a second episode for that because it's really early for us to say. And besides the people not sharing, we don't have any contact with them. So we don't know who they are. They are downloading the software. So we see Uh, this on GitHub. We don't have any way to track them. And that's on purpose because they don't want to be tracked. That's fine by us. Um, But if you think about it, like you're right, this community thing is the core of it because Think about it in a different way. Say we do what failed to bend it. So we have like half a million machines in a network in like four years from now. If you would have to run it on your private funds, right? On the corporate funds, it would cost you something like $30 per machine per month, right? So you would be looking at the cost of something like 1.5 million per month to run the network. Sorry, my math are wrong. 15 million. Sorry, my math are wrong. 15 million to run the network. And If you scale this with the year and so on, you're looking at the cost of hundreds of millions of dollars, where we are spending close to zero because the people are doing the curation locally, qualifying the system locally. So they are partaking in the effort. And we have a way better granularity because, as I told you, we have sweatshops in Thailand, SMBs in in South Africa, uh, big companies like GoDaddy is using it currently and they like it. So... If you do this on a macro scale and want to deploy like half a million machine, you would probably industrialize it on the same cloud or, or few clouds like GCP, Azure and AWS. So your your yeah. kind of granularity would be not as good as this one.
1: Makes sense. All right. So a uh, quick, quick final thing. How do people get involved? Where do they find your stuff?
2: Uh, to tell us how to get, how to get more info. Well, GitHub is the one place for the community, right? So GitHub slash CrowdSecurity. Uh, they can go also on CrowdSec.net, CrowdSec.net, like the CrowdSecurity.net. And they can find us on Twitter on CrowdSecurity. We'd be happy to discuss. And if they want to imply themselves and involve themselves, we are looking for ambassadors and contributors in many countries, as many as we can, to help them you know, spread the word. All right. well cool I uh, wish you
1: lots of luck thanks for joining us for a few minutes here of your time and, uh, maybe we'll check back in and do like a full episode once uh once you guys are up and rolling and, and you've got some uh, you've got some real data to talk I, I th- I'd be interested in finding some of the some of the stats in that data so all
2: right Philippe, thanks for your time buddy have a great day and anytime you want bye Rafa As we
0: fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag pound DTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, wh one t 3 tnet So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.